And now, Lord, open up your word to us so that we can hear what we need to hear and that we can be used by you, God, and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're coming to the end of the book of Joshua. And Joshua, you remember General Joshua. But really, a lot of the work he admits to is not done by him, but by God himself. And he gives these two addresses at the end. You know, a lot of leaders will do that. For instance, George Washington, Douglas MacArthur, Great Patton, they all gave their addresses as they were leaving their offices. Joshua, Moses, all those also. Moses did his in Deuteronomy, which was one of his final speeches. But today we have Joshua. Joshua 23 and 24, he gives two speeches. Two speeches to the people that are the leaders and also to the people of Israel about his leaving. And in those speeches, usually they have particular things that they want to say and things they want the people to emphasize. And Joshua was near 110 years old. He's ready to die, but he has really things on his heart that he wants to leave the people of God with. He wants to speak to them, especially after he had a successful campaign of seven years conquering the promised land and then another 13 years in which he laid out the prosperity and how they were all to live and cleaned up some of the hot spots. And one of the first things he says, he wants them to recognize. Now it came about many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all the enemies on every side. Joshua was old and advanced in years. Joshua, Joshua understands where he's at. But Joshua never allowed himself to think that he was old. He was all ready to serve the Lord. And he was ready. You know, I'm thinking about retiring now, but you know, that I don't know. I would like to have, and, and I know there's things that God has me for to do. And that was the, one of the things I want to have a heart that Joshua had. Joshua had a heart that he didn't think he was old. He was enabled by God and he could do many different things. And with this challenge, he was able to do much greater things because his attitude was right in his heart. I was inspired to realize that a lot of folks who were in their 80s had accomplished more in their last years than most of their life. Tennyson, for instance, the great writer, poet, did more his best work in his 80s. I was reading about John Wesley, remember the circuit-riding preacher. He covered over 250,000 miles at about two, hour, two, two miles an hour on that horse. But you know what? Even while he was on that horse, he wrote over 40,000 sermons. He never allowed himself to use the same sermon. And he wrote it and got, oh, as he was on the horseback. He learned 10 different languages and he did over 400 books he wrote. And at 81 years old, he was starting to finish up his, his work on his journals. And for 15 hours, he was disappointed that he couldn't read longer because his eyes were getting dimmer and he couldn't see as well. So he felt bad that he couldn't read more than 15 hours a day. And at 86, he would continue to preach twice a day in his serving the Lord. And if you would rather talk than listen... And if you long for the good old, old days, rather than that were better. He says, most doctors are saying that you're feeling old and you're living and you're believing it. But the Bible here tells us Joshua was a different person. He went after it full blast. And he learned how to do God's will. And he recognized 
that even though he was advanced in years, it was God who did it in his life. Look at it in verse 2 here. It says, And Joshua called all Israel and their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers and said to them, I am old, advanced in years. Again, he recognizes his age. And you have seen all that the Lord has done in all the these nations before you. For the Lord your God is he is ha who has been fighting for you. See, I am a portion to you, these nations, which remain in, as an inheritance to your tribes. With all the nations which I cut off from the Jordan, even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. He knows where his success came from. Joshua understands that God is the one who gave it to them. You think about Jericho, and he just marched around and blew some trumpets, and Jericho, this great fortified city, comes crumbling down. Joshua knew and recognized where his power came from. And when we understand that, we live in gratitude to want to show God that we are appreciative of what he's done, and it propels us to do more. Joshua was that kind of person. He had a thankful heart. Some people let their own circumstances cripple them. And they feel like there's nothing they can do. Well, I went on a call about two years ago. And a woman who belonged to a very large church in this city. And when she could no longer get around, she had to have a wheelchair. She lived in a small apartment up off of a Ridge Road. Um, and in this small apartment... She told her pastor, I'm going to develop a ministry. And her pastor's thinking, what in the world? How could this woman do anything for the church? She said, give me the phone book of the church. She took that phone book and she began to call the people of that church. And what she did is she built a hit list. One part of the list was those who were in need, who needed someone to talk to that were going through difficult times in their life. And she would call them twice a month. And then she worked on going through that directory of 2,000 people so that she could call them and see where they were. And if they didn't need much of a call, she'd only call them once or twice a year. But the people who were going through crisis, she would call them, talk with them, and then say prayers over the phone with them. She had the attitude that she was going to serve God and he would provide for her, and he sure did. The people that came to her funeral were people that were, you'd be surprised who came to her funeral for a little woman who sat in a small little studio apartment and didn't have any contact with the church but through a phone call. You see, what happens is when we have faith and we trust God, we can be used of God no matter what our circumstance, no matter our situation is. And it's not faith in faith. I know there are times that we just say, well, we just have to have faith. What is your faith in? That's the key. And here we see Joshua has faith that God would accomplish what he promised him, and God did. And Joshua was so much blessed. And when we recognize those blessings in our heart and we truly appreciate them, God will use us abundantly beyond what we ever think. And that we learn also that the great training of our lives, we need to recognize that the crisis that you go through, the life experiences that we have, that we use them as building blocks. You know, I, 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 you can almost think of God as your trainer. You go to the gym, man, I haven't been in the gym in a long time. And the trainer will say, okay, well, let's start basic. 
Well, start with two pounds. You start working that. Oh, I was awful sore. Yes. Well, let's pick up three pounds. Let's do five pounds. And that's what God does with our faith. He plugs us into different situations. And at first, it only maybe a situation of three pounds. But then five, but 25 pounds. And he's trying to build our faith in trusting him as we go through those difficulties of life that we try to sort out. And that only he knows what we need. He knows all the circumstances behind it. And he works it for our good, the Bible promises, and for his glory. And we see that all throughout the Bible. You see, one of the things that is not in this text today, but we need to understand that God preaches the gospel to us even through the books of the Bible. You see, what happened was, and this is the thing about Joshua, Joshua realized that God had given him grace to conquer Canaan and to establish Canaan. And what we see here is the difference between Moses and Joshua. Joshua was used, Moses was used to bring the children out of the bondage of Egypt. And then after they were brought out, they were established by the law, by keeping the law. And the law was there, Ten Commandments, to know how to worship God and also how to get along with one another in a godly way. And he gave many commands for two years to help establish this nation of Israel. But then after that, they had their chance to go into the promised land, but they denied it. They didn't have the faith. And so what happened is they wandered for 40 years until the whole nation changed over to a new generation. And then with Joshua, they were able to go into the promised land by faith and trusting God. And by grace, they were given this ability to conquer the land. Well, this is the difference between the Old and New Testament. And you see, he showed them the law. He gave them law. But the law failed them because they failed at the law. And we fail as sinners. We fail the law. But what a beautiful thing is that grace comes. And Joshua comes meeting out that grace. And they conquer the land. And if you know anything about the languages, Joshua in the Hebrew is Yahshua. And in the Greek and Aramaic is Jesus, Jesus. And so here we have the picture already in the Old Testament, thousands of years before Christ even come, of the law and people trying to observe the law and try to get in, and they don't. But with the grace of God in Jesus Christ, we get victory through the cross. And so what a wonderful passage, what a wonderful book this is to teach us about God's grace. But then also, we see he is realistic. Now behold, today I'm on the way of all the earth. You know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words that God, the Lord, our, your God spoke concerning you has failed. And all have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. And what Joshua is saying here, what a wonderful blessing it is that God who is immutable, that means he doesn't change. He promised Israel what he was going to do, and he fulfilled every bit of it. He was constant. He was consistent in all that he did. And you see, we need to understand these promises that God kept. And out of that comes the gratitude of us wanting to remain faithful to his name, to live for him. 
and to conform to the image of his name. We see that all throughout the scripture. He says, cleave to me. The word that he uses is the word that is used about marriage. And we need to cleave on to God, to hold on to Jesus Christ and walk through faithfully, meditating on God's goodness so that we are propelled. You see, a lot of people have a tough time with temptation because they, they feel that I, I, they're trying so hard in themselves to beat it. And if you grow in your heart a thankfulness to God and you come to appreciate God and you make it into a relational thing, you're less likely to commit the sin because you're committed to the person of Jesus Christ. You're committed to God who's a loving God who's done all this for you and you don't want to hurt him. And so you're willing to beat and fight the battle and you want to do it out of love and not because you have to or it's a duty. Rather, you do it because you care for him and that you love him and you want to be faithful to him. And Joshua, though, also then gives a fine warning to them. And he says to them, it shall come about that just as the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you have come upon you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he destroyed you from off the good land which the Lord had, your God has given you. When you transgress the covenant of your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you will perish quickly from off the good land which he had given you. Joshua's given a warning. He's saying to them, you've got to be careful that you don't abuse this wonderful privilege that God has given to you. Because if you do, God has severe consequences from you being taken off the face of the earth. Because you've transgressed the covenant. You've broken my heart. You need to love me more and show me more. And otherwise, there's going to be drastic events that are going to happen in your life. God did this throughout the Old Testament. One of the things he was very concerned about was about people who give themselves to the wrong things. Our hearts are idol makers. And we love to make things idols. And we do it all the time. And here God is saying to them, you need to keep your faithful trust in me. Otherwise, there's consequences to it. And what we find here, he says, one of the things in the Old Testament, he constantly talked about separating themselves, being different from the world, and, and not following these other gods because with them, not other people, because these other people, when you bring them in, they will bring in false teachings, false doctrines, and you will go to idol worship with them. And this is picked up by Paul in the New Testament. Not so much about ethnic origin. Ethnic origin in those days was you were a Muslim if you belonged to the Arabic faith. Now, not all, Muslim, not all Arabs are Muslims today. And what we find here, Paul says, don't become unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't marry somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ because they'll take your heart away. They'll steal from you. Or you'll be frustrated. I've, I've met couples. Some people had a woman come into my office one time and was very disappointed in herself because she disobeyed God's word. And she married a man who was an unbeliever and she thought that their marriage, she would convert him. And the opposite was true. And she was frustrated in her marriage and broken because the things that he projected himself to be were not what he was. And her marriage was failing and she knew that she, she couldn't even convince him 
to know the Lord, no less do the things that were proper in a marriage to respect and honor her. You see, Paul saw through this. God inspired Paul and says, you need to make sure that you marry somebody who loves the Lord. You have that level playing field in which you both can say, what would the Lord think about our behavior, how we're treating each other? Do we respect one another? That's why Paul speaks it. That we also raise our family in the way of the Lord. What a powerful thing. When a father says to his son, I remember this back when I was going to high school. Dad was trying to convince his son not to use pot and how wrong it was. And yet his father would be drunk every night in front of the TV set. He laughed at his father because he wasn't getting that example. We need to teach as the Bible says. Deuteronomy 6 says to us, train up a child in the way he's to be. We're to be able to not only teach him the words, but to live it. To be who we are and to show it in our actions that we just don't say that we're faith, people of faith, that we live by Jesus. But the things that we do show them that Christ is truly present in our lives. Last week I was so overwhelmed after the first service. One of the greatest things that ever happened in my life in the ministry happened in this room. And I was overwhelmed. In fact, I was going to talk about it second service, but I couldn't because I was too emotional. And what had happened was my daughter-in-law came up to me and my grandson had gone to my wife in, in, the, school, in the church school. And she said to him, and Poppy, um, Cohen was crying during the service with my 10-year-old grandson. He's sitting right over there. And I saw that. And he, she said to him, well, he really wants to talk to you. I said, where is he? Well, he comes in. We're standing in front of that cross, and I put my arm around him. I said, Cohen, what's the matter? He said, Poppy, what you said, I want to go to heaven, and I want to ask Jesus in my heart. Talk about a knockout punch. One of the greatest things that could ever happen to me in my ministry was to him to ask me to do that. And so I put my arm around him, and I explained to him about Jesus and what he did, and he died for his sin. He said, I know all that, Poppy, but I want him in my heart. And so we prayed in front of the cross and he asked Jesus into his heart. And now it's our turn to, to, to disciple him that his parents have already been doing, but now his heart's receptive to Christ's way. See, this is what the Bible calls us to do. And it's exciting when we see that. And I'm praying for him every day because I know the temptations and how the devil's going to try to take him off the path and, and make him go other ways. I pray for all my grandkids every day, but especially on this now because Satan's going to work full time because now his heart is rendered to Christ. And that's why number three we need to do is to remember what God has done. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And called the elders of Israel and all the heads and all the judges and their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And so he gives the second speech now. And this is more personal. He said, I gave you the land in which you had not labored and cities which you had not built. You have lived in them. You're eating of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. So here he shows us again the grace of Christ. Everything they're living in, everything they're eating, everything they're doing comes from God. And he's telling this to the people that he's speaking to. And what happens is, as he speaks to them, he says, look, God is a deliverer of Israel. God is the one who will judge us. 
God is the one who will give us grace and mercy. He's, gonna, he's the one that instructs us. He guided us all the way to here. He served him. And notice his heart is constantly thinking the Lord. In fact, in this passage, out of just a few short verses, 21 times he issues himself and says, The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Because he knew the grace of God. And he was excited and remember that. And he wants them to remember where it all come from. One of the saddest things sometimes I see, and that's interesting when the NFL, sometimes you'll see them do things, or baseball, they'll have guys in the neighborhoods that they're working in in the, in the ghetto. But oftentimes, some guys that leave from there never go back, never deposit some of the things. And, and it shows me that there's an ungratefulness. It's just all about me. And here, he says, don't ever think it's about you. Don't ever think you ever got it this way by you, but it's from the Lord. And so therefore, you need to devote yourself to the Lord and his work. That you need to really be thankful to him for all he does. Don't be like the rest of the world who's ungrateful and think the world revolves around you. I had one of those yesterday. I was driving down 54, doing 65 and a 60. And there was this guy in my trunk who I thought maybe he was trying to save gas and driving on my car. And as I, and he's right up on me. And so I just pulled over into the lane next to the center lane. And he goes whizzing by me. And as he whizzing by me, he turns around. He takes his eyes off the road. He's going down. And he waves at me in a very special way. And I waved right back to him. I just said, hi, how are you? And I smiled. Because I knew that would tick him off. I was probably not a very Christian attitude, but... That was it. But here he was thinking it was his world. And I had to get out of his way. Even though I was above the speed limit. But he wanted to show me how discontented he was with me. But when you serve the Lord, you're at peace about that. That doesn't get to you. And you serve him exclusively. We don't serve his attitude. His attitude's nothing. It stinks, in fact. And we want to serve. And you see, this is what Josh was saying. You got to decide in your mind who you're going to serve. You need to throw out the old idols. You know, we talked about idolatry. And there's a lot of things that can grab us, good things, that can become idols in our lives. You know, we've talked about TV watching. We, we talk about internet. All those things. I remember when I, we, the first the internet came out, I would come home from work and I'd sit on the internet for three hours. It was ridiculous. And I realized what a waste of time. And I was tired the next day. And how easy a nice good thing can become an idol. Our grandkids can become idols. Our TV watching can become idols. Our hobbies can become idols. Now there's nothing wrong with them. But when they become more important than God, that's when we've got a problem. And we need to correct it. And we see that with the children of Israel. They could have gone back to Egypt for the materialism. They could have gone to the Amorites and, and been sensual. But instead God called them. To follow him. I was watching American Idol the other day. And I cannot believe they idolize these people who are judges. Simon Cower. Bless his little heart. But this guy is supposed to be a judge. And he demeans people on TV. People that are made in the image of God. And he's supposed to help them. And I can't believe that people think this is so great. And they are, are so infatuated with the show. But the tragedy of it all is, it's 
putting up a facade and they're making people into their own idols and that these people are judging them, think they are these great beings and they don't understand. It all comes from God. That voice has come from God and that to use it for the glory of God. And it's tragic. But you see, this is our world and the, basically the requirements and the things that we put as standards in our society that people begin to idolize those things rather than see where it really comes from. And you see, that's why we're into a huge fight in our world. We're into a fight in the battle for this country and for the souls of this country. And, and that's why Joshua's words are timeless. They're timeless to us today. The Bible tells us that we're to rear up. You ever see a horse rear up when it's scared or when it's ready to pounce on something because it wants to fight? We need to rear up. Now, therefore, the fear of the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served before the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods which are the fathers served or were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the, whose land they are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is where the pudding is right here. Joshua says, I'm ready to fight. And I'm ready to fight for the Lord. I'm ready to fight for my family. And I'm willing to fight for this land that God has given to us. And this is where it needs to be. You see, we need to decide that we're on the side of the Lord. And we want to fight for that. It's most valuable for us. We need to devote our time and our energy in doing things for the Lord. And that we find ourselves being ingratiated with so many good things that God has given to us, that we can do others many great things, and we can be examples. One of the things that's been an example in my mind since a little kid, and let me tell you something, we grew up with nothing. We didn't have much. But to see how my mother and father, as they developed in their relationship, they ironed out some of those early problems in their marriage, and to watch them grow, and to watch them in their elderly age, both when they retired, still reaching out to people in the ghetto that our church was in. And, they, it wasn't, and we learned no color barrier because they loved black, white, Hispanic in that neighborhood. And they reached out to them. They took them food. They helped those who were alcoholics, trying to get them into programs. They worked together as a team and it drew them closer I was wondering what Sandy and I are going to do, and I hope we can do that because what it drew them together, it taught us as, as, as adults what God can do with a couple, with their free time, how fun it was to see them. And then to come home, one day, I, I, was in the, I was in the ministry and I lived in New Jersey, and one day I had business over by their house. And as I came and I dropped in to see them on my way after my business, and my mother was at the keyboard of the organ. And I saw them through the front window because her keyboard looked out the front window. And she's playing. And my, dad, my mom was only about 5'3". 
and dad was 6'5", and his arm is around her, and they're singing hymns together, worshiping God together. What a wonderful example to me, and what I needed to do for my marriage, and what I needed to do with my wife, and what a powerful expression. And then sometimes I couldn't get home, this before cell phones. They were out helping somebody out move in their retirement. That's what God did. And what an example it was for us kids, us adult kids. And remembering their spiritual heritage. And you see, this is what Joshua does. Joshua puts it out. He says four important things. He says, but as for me, very personal. He's very personal about the dealings. He says, look, me as a person... Me as an individual, I'm putting myself into this fully. It's a very personal decision. It's a very public statement he's making. He's saying, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, he says, this family of mine, I'm work every which way to bring them to closer to Jesus, to God, and they're going to work together. And then he says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Bob Dylan one time wrote that song, you got to serve somebody. And man, he was right. You got to make the decision. We got to make the decision, not only for ourselves, but for our families. And we want to encourage them and show them that what we say is who we really are. That in our marriages, oh, what a way we need to show the world. You see, people don't understand, but even before sin entered the world, God said, it is not good for man to be alone because he saw the man was lonely. This is before sin. And he said he was alone. And the problem of the world oftentimes is loneliness. And he says, I'm going to make him a helpmate. And a helpmate means somebody who's alongside of him, somebody who works with him, Someone who encourages him and he encourages her. And we, they lift each other up. That's what marriage is to be. And how it honors God. And he, so easy sometimes for us, I know I do. Sometimes I neglect my wife. And there's a beautiful passage, this passage here. Which is very interesting. When God created the woman from Adam. There's a beautiful illustration that comes from this out of Matthew Henry. He says, this is what God did. He said, God didn't make woman out of his head so that she'd be ruling over him. Because that's what happened when the Adam and Eve fell. Part of the curse was woman would try to rule man. And he says, didn't take her from his head bone didn't want her to rule over him. Didn't take her from a foot bone that he would be on top of her and keeping her in line. But God took her from and made her from a rib. And that rib is right next to the heart. And God made her from by his heart that she would have his heart and his love for her. And that it would be underneath his arm to protect her. And what a beautiful illustration marriage is. And what 
this Matthew Henry is drawing to us that marriages should be that way. And it's a marvelous truth. And when you've been married long enough and you've done that, you see the fruit that comes from that. What a beautiful thing it is. And how precious it is. And how enjoyable it is. And there are some people who say, well, my marriage is too marred. It can't be fixed. God can fix the marriage. As you two find yourselves committed to one another in Christ, and you commit your way to Jesus Christ, he can heal that marriage no matter how far it's gone. He will give the check and chance to anybody who desires it. We can learn from the past. We can overcome it. God's got a future for that marriage if we're willing if we're willing to work at it, if we're willing to give ourselves to the Lord and commit to his way, he gave us a beautiful thing called communication. That's something I'm still learning. My wife's a great communicator. I'm not a good communicator when it comes to sitting down and talking. And she is able to draw that out of me. You see, this is the beauty that God has created in marriage. And when our kids see this, when they see it working in the way that's biblical, and develop that kind of affection for the Lord to both of us, we have less time to pick at each other and more free time to do his glory and to live for him. And you see, that's the power of the word of God. That's what can happen when we're truly in line with him and that we truly live for him. Dwight L. Moody said it so well. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do when a life is totally surrendered to him, when two people are surrendered, their marriage can be great. When a person surrendered to God, what God can do to that individual. But we have to choose. As he says here, he says, choose today who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Now there are people who will try to pull that away. I warn young couples when I'm, Counseling them for marriage. There are people who are not happy with their marriage and at work or at play or whatever. They'll mock the marriage. Don't mock the marriage. Don't fall into that category. Look at what God has done. He's given this beautiful thing for us not to be alone. But we have to choose. There are a lot of people who want to choose to pull you away from your faith. I see it. Around in this world. Look at the things that are on TV today that are pulling people away from faith and away from God into godlessness. They see faith as a, 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 they see the gospel as something that is for weak people needing a crutch. That's not true. I am weak and I need the Lord and he's got the power to do it. Others see it as a way to barrier society from experiencing more mature adult things. We saw that with Hugh Hefner and the baloney that that all is now crumbling down and see how false that was. Others see it just as a thing that's keeping us from doing individuals doing their thing. No, it's God's protection and love that he has for people to enjoy the fullness of life that he has for us. But there are people... We're not happy when you do that. This past week, I was in with a fella uh, from another church. He had asked me if I could take him out and show him how to share his faith. And so we went to West Town Mall. And as I was going, we were walking through the mall. I saw this guy I haven't seen in about two and a half years. And we waved, and he came over to me, and he was telling me. He said, I said, I haven't seen you in two years. I used to see you at Jason's Deli. He said, oh, yeah. 
He said, well, you know, I was a painter. I said, yeah. He said, well, I developed cancer. And he said, I, I got through it and I'm doing fine now. All my uh, cells are clear. Everything's clear. I said, well, I'm, I'm so happy for it. I said, but what do you think God thought about it? And what if God would have taken you? He looked at me and he said, we don't need to talk about that. Oh, boy. He didn't want to talk about it. I said, but aren't you concerned? What would have happened if you would have died? Nah, it wasn't in the cards. The cards. <laughs> I said, no, you need to talk about it because someday that's going to happen. He said, ah, that's all a bunch of baloney. Ooh. I said, well, you know, I, I really think you should. He said, don't worry about me. And he said, thanks, good to see you. Walked off. Well, we went down further in the mall and we were talking to this lady and she was talking about her, where she grew up in church and all this stuff and started talking about her faith. And he came up to me and he says, you got to quit doing this right now. This is no place in time. If she wants to know about God, she can come up to your church, but you don't talk to her here. I said, well, we have free speech and I'm free to talk and I'm concerned about people where they're going to spend their eternal destiny. He said to me, you ought to shut your mouth. <laughs> now, if I was my old self, I would have popped them. <laughs> but he was very angry. He said, you need to get out of this mall. I should call security on you. I said, because I'm concerned about people. I said, if you saw a car on fire and you saw a person, and wouldn't you try to run over and cut her out of the seatbelt or him out of the seatbelt and drag him out of the car? I know where you're going with that, but that's a bunch of baloney. You've got to quit talking about your religion outside here. I pray for the guy. But you see, there are people like that who don't think we should speak about our faith when we need to. Our society needs it so bad. We all see the papers. Some of us even stop reading the paper because it's so sad where our culture is at today. Young people, I've never seen more young people with no hope if they're without the Lord. It's so good to see and encouraging to see young people at our church who have hope in Christ. And there's a lot of kids who are desperate, who need the Lord. And so today, I want to encourage you with the words that Joshua, don't let your circumstance or your age become a barrier for serving the Lord. Trust God by faith and you let him use you. Remember where you come from. He has given you the grace. So live for him fully. And live by faith. Develop your faith. Grow your faith. Trust him. Risk. And let him grow that faith in you. And as he says here, the most important, don't let anybody divert you. Don't let people try to sideline you. But keep your eyes on the Lord as Joshua calls his nation to do that. And remember these words of Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you so much for what you've given to us. For a great salvation. That we don't have to fear death. And for a life that's full. You said you came to give life, Jesus. And you came to give it to us abundantly. And boy, Lord, when we see that and understand that and appreciate you, well, there is so much to enjoy in this life. And Father, we want to thank you for that and all the more that you give us. And I pray as we go out, Lord, help us to show our gratitude to you. And live a life that is totally enjoying you in this life. For all that it has because we're so grateful for what you've done for us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
please rise as we leave and we'll read the benediction and we'll sing about that amazing grace that God has for us. And now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus God, Christ, the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now as we leave this place and enjoy this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see.